the people who were regular exercisers, and this is the fascinating piece, didn't have their mood dampened to the same extent as the people who didn't exercise regularly. So their ability to bounce back from a stress had been increased. They were more resilient than those people who didn't exercise. And we talk about stress nowadays, day-to-day anxiety levels being increased. Your mental resilience is research proved to be increased by doing exercise. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome to episode 26 of the Business Mastermind podcast. This week, we're in conversation with Stephen Law Lyons. He's the MD of APC Cardiovascular. We talk about his journey of buying the business and the ups and downs of growing and scaling that business and the performance of the business now. Then we go on to talk about something that he has as a personal mission, something he's got interested in recently, and that is how he can increase and encourage uh, his members of staff, increase their level of daily and weekly physical activity. And we tap into some of the statistics about the cost to businesses and to the economy about lost days of work through musculoskeletal problems, through ill health and through stress, and how the science has shown an a proven link between an increase in the levels of activity and improved mental and physical resilience. Talk about some of the easy, simple things that um, anybody can do in their place of work to encourage more activity that doesn't involve, you know, running a half marathon or doing a really high, high intensive workout session. Oh, and you will also hear at the end uh, the first appearance of Little Gavilar, but more of that later. So straight into the episode of the uh, interview with Stephen Law Lyons of APC Cardiovascular. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Stephen Law Lyons from APC Cardiovascular. Uh, Stephen, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Gavin. Pleasure to see you again. So Stephen and I uh, worked together a number of years ago when I uh, worked with, uh, before Stephen started on the journey of um, buying and growing his own business, I, uh, I worked with the senior leadership team of the company he used to work for. So Stephen, do you want to introduce yourself and also uh, share a bit about your journey becoming from going from being um an employed person in a senior leadership team of a pharmaceutical company through to uh, identifying an opportunity to buy a business, buying it, growing it, and how that journey's been over the last six, seven years. Yeah, sure. It's been uh, yeah, a lot of fun as far as the, uh, the journey goes uh, with some ups and downs, uh, but mainly generally the trajectory has been upwards, which has been a relief looking backwards at the whole thing. Uh, yep, starting in corporate uh, and then had the opportunity to join my wife in a business consultancy uh, where I spent a couple of years and then ended up buying one of my clients. Uh, The client was a company called APC Cardiovascular, and later I I learned that the company had been around since 1948, Um, originally called Nuclear Pacemakers, basically two men in a shed operation in Hatfield. Uh, 
created external temporary pacing for uh, people who'd had some sort of um, cardiac shock of one uh, sort or another, whether that was a heart attack or uh, cardiac surgery. Uh, The company had been in and out of corporate ownership and then finally ended up 30 years ago as a standalone company. Um, The APC stands for the American Pacing Corporation. So we've got a lot of uh, heritage with that part of the business. So um, the client of mine was the old MD and owner, and uh, we were coaching our way through his exit strategy. And then my wife and I, having a sunbed moment on holiday, decided that, uh, well, why don't we help him and buy the company from him? So uh, we got on the phone to the accountants thinking uh, we won't be able to do this. And anyway, we uh, we divided up all the money and all the uh, all the assets that we could lay our hands on. And we thought we could come some way close to making the uh, the old owner uh, a good offer, which we did. It took us six months to negotiate the final position. Uh, and by January 2012, we were the uh, proud owners of uh, APC Cardiovascular. And we've been running it ever since. Um, it's had its ups and downs as every business has, uh, some challenges, some of the days where you think I'm just going to give it all up, walk away and get myself a proper job. Uh, they came and went and have become, uh, I'm very pleased to say less frequent over recent years. Uh, so here we are at the moment, uh, seven, just over seven years into it. We're, uh, for the first year, I think, uh, I'm not going to say overly confident but we're uh, in a in a good place growing 30% year on year and uh, we've got a a big back end as we call it that we're looking forward to uh, and we'll be pushing 40% growth this year over last year having pretty much double the size of the business over the last 5 years so uh, we're in a good place which is nice so i'm starting to think about other ways that I can uh, give back to the business community sounds a little bit trite, but you know, give myself something else to do as well besides uh, bothering my poor people in the company. And uh, in recent times, I, I volunteered myself for a role on the Cheshire branch of the Institute of Directors. Okay. And uh, one of the portfolios that was up for grabs was the uh, health and wellness ambassador, which sounds very highfalutin. It isn't. It's basically, that's my area to look into. Fits very nicely with the work because we have a a, a high-end professional activity monitor within our business. Um, So it puts me in contact with the the great and the good in in academia, in uh, in health and wellness. Um, And also I've been on my own personal journey of, of... getting to a level of activity and fitness that, to be honest, I've never had before in my life uh, through cycling and running and two demanding dogs that uh, need exercising regularly. So uh, it all kind of fitted together. And uh, that's my my journey, I guess, that brings us together today, Gavin. Do you want to explain, because we have um, actually listeners now in 46 countries around the world, which is wonderful. Do you want to explain what the IOD, Institute of Directors, is in the UK? Sure. Uh, It's a professional uh, body which has got a royal charter. It goes back to the beginning of last century, uh, to the early 1900s. And uh, over that time, it's really had a the what it stands for is about the the, the connectivity of directors uh, I found it really useful of uh, in terms of peer support uh, and education I'm studying with the uh, IOD at the moment for my uh, certificate in uh, as a director then I'll be doing my diploma before Christmas and then okay. maybe let's see if we get to the heady heights of becoming a chartered Charter. director yeah yeah let's see it's a it's a long road between now and then uh, so there's a 
about professional development, uh, and it's also about the there's a level of integrity that's associated with uh, working with the IOD. You're held to a very high standard, and uh, also other people that see you as a member. The idea being is that you keep yourself up to date with everything that's needed to be um, you need to be up to date with, and that continues to this date. And we're very much. Uh, branch and region led so the northwest uh, region and the is a really active region the busiest outside of the southeast uh, there are facilities up and down the country that you can pop in and use um, as I've already mentioned the continuing uh, practice development side of things and there's as I say a, a, a network of like-minded individuals that peer support is really important. So that's the Institute of Directors. Um, if uh, I've got anything to promote, it's membership of that. Uh, so it's a, it's a great uh, organisation. So specifically that your role uh, that you've taken on around health and wellbeing, what's that translating into in terms of the work that you're doing in that area? Well, it's, uh, I'm still at the, the beginning of that, but I've kind of created a little bit of a um, uh, a vision of that for what it means to me and specifically the Institute of Directors and the role that I play. And I think as, as business leaders, the biggest uh, asset, in fact, some people might argue the only asset that we really have are our people. Absolutely. Uh, and we want to look after them as much as we possibly can. Uh, and the statistics are amazing. And I'm just bringing up my notes uh, here just to make sure I don't get any of the numbers wrong about the impact of uh, health and wellness. My goals that I've given myself really in the in Cheshire uh, is to support the business leaders uh, in looking after their, their most vital asset by doing the researching uh, and sharing and supporting some best practice uh, on creating work environments that reduce inactivity and hopefully, as a result of that, increase both physical and mental resilience. Great. So Both that, essential. Yeah, absolutely. And we were uh, talking earlier on about the impact of uh, both of those things on everybody. Yeah. Um, and there was one th a, a bit of information I was given by, I think it was Macclesfield College. Uh, they're now spending so much money diverting resources into um, counselling for their students that it's obviously taking resources from elsewhere as well. So, you know, that's just one example where, mental health especially and mental resilience is particularly important. Uh, the hard facts are we want to reduce the lost work days through musculoskeletal issues uh, and also through um, mental unwellness. And, you know, on top of that, it's just the right thing to do. Absolutely. So some of the facts and figures I've been onto the um, Health and Safety Executives website, uh, the World Health Organization's website, um, lots of statistics from uh, various research organisations. And, you know, if, if I look at the number of lost work days that are currently recorded in the last audit, 2017-18, from the HSE, 15.4 million lost work days due to stress, depression or anxiety in the wow. UK alone. Due to uh, musculoskeletal disorders, so people suffering from bad backs predominantly, uh, shoulders, necks, those sorts of things, 6.6 um, .6 million lost work days. Really? Just in the UK in one year. So if you add those two things together, that's 22 million lost work days. And if you put a, a rough 
uh, estimate of £200 per workday as okay. a cost. Yeah. Uh, not just about the, the salary cost, but there's an opportunity cost when somebody goes off. Of course. That's £4.4 billion to the UK economy. Is Every lost. single year. Every year. Goodness. Of which the employer bears about 20% of it. Some of it's borne by the individuals because they go on to statutory sick pay, so there's a loss of income. Yes. And there are other costs to the government, so NHS costs, uh, for example, that cost the taxpayer generally. So that um, one billion there or thereabouts is is costing UK employers for those 22 million lost workdays each year. That's the business case. Um, on top of that, managers spend approximately 20 working days each year, each manager, handling absence. That's from ACAS. So, you know, it makes sense from every, everywhere. Um, the good news is that the MSK issues are decreasing. And unfortunately, the stress, depression and anxiety is on the up, mm. which I don't think comes as a surprise to anybody. And the research you've done, does that give any uh, any cause as to why the stress, the depression, the anxieties on the increase? Yeah, I haven't got that far in terms of the root causes. Uh, some of the solutions are some of the things I wanted to talk about in terms of decreasing inactivity. And I use that phrase uh, quite specifically because what we're not trying to do is create super athletes. You know, the biggest area of impact is getting people to just move. Okay. Just standing up, walking around, uh, taking people from 400 steps to 4,000 steps a day will have such a huge impact on the country uh, rather than trying to take people from the couch to 5K, for example. I was going to say, you're not, you're not advocating they do a 10K run or they do a high-intensity uh, circuits workout every single morning for 50 minutes. No. You're just saying increase the amount of day-to-day walking or movement. Yes. So practically, you know, if, if they've got a desk-based job, a desk-based role where they're going to be sat down for hours at a time with the occasional break to stand up, to go make a cup of tea or coffee and pop to the bathroom, what, what are the kind of things that you're, you're recommending? Because I know you're working alongside an organization called Active Cheshire, who's, who's, whose role is to help to advocate uh, well-being and exercise in the well, uh, workplace, isn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, a lot of the research that's been done around uh, the guidelines for f- uh, physical activity um, if I have a look at some of the figures currently, uh, the World Health Organization, uh, you know, they're seeing a lot of uh, the biggest impact, as I say, taking people from zero, pretty much, uh, up to less than a, a hundred um, minutes per week of activity. And that's not huge, 100 minutes per week. That has the biggest impact on health. Uh, as far as Active Cheshire goes, originally it was part of Sport England. Okay. Uh, and that was looking at a group of people who were already quite sporty. But the research that uh, Sport England did and subsequently Active Cheshire uh, supports that um, world health position of let's just get people moving. Uh, and they've come up with five key pillars, uh, areas of activity, which are around active uh, for children, um, active minds, lots of other areas. But the thing area, the, the, the single area that works best for us is what they're calling active workplace. 
Now, uh, this is to do with active Cheshire, so may only be available in the Cheshire area. But I'm sure there are other organisations out there that are promoting wellness in the workplace that will help with programmes to uh, instil a less sedentary workplace. Uh, really simple things like taking the bins away from everybody's desk. Really? God, tell me. So all that does is it means that you have to go to the bin at the other end of the office to get rid of your rubbish. Right. Uh, Put in the uh, printer in another room. Okay. So use the printer. You've got to walk. It could be upstairs. Make you do a flight of stairs in the meantime. Um, Standing desks. um, Obviously having that standing uh, motion in your legs, you've got the little twitching of your muscles, which is keeping them alive, keeping the blood moving, uh, burning calories as well. Um, And being upright rather than sitting is a much better way to keep that activity level up. You don't have to be running. You just have to be standing. So the, the act of actually standing at a desk as opposed to sitting actually burns calories and it helps with the yeah, physical well-being. Absolutely. And all the time you're standing, all the little um, sensors in your legs uh, and, and your brain are trying to balance you. So they're firing off little muscles all the time. And that just is all part of, uh, yeah, keeping you healthy, really, and keeping that uh, muscle tone. So uh, obviously uh, desks that can lift and lower, can, uh, whether they're electronically or manually wound up, can be very expensive. I also know you can get like plastic things that it rises. I don't know what they call them that you put onto desks that lift monitors up. What, what are the practical ways in which you can cre- create that functionality in a, in a work environment? I, I think exactly what you just said. And I, I, I think that uh, the way that we're working with Active Cheshire, and we're right at the beginning of our journey with them, we had one of their consultants come in uh, and sit with, with us, not necessarily with me, but with my ops manager uh, and go through all the things around the office that, we could do small changes from moving the bins to the printer, uh, having a steps competition. You know, everybody's got a, a steps monitor in their phone, but does everybody use it? So you can start to have buddying up of, can we get to 10,000 steps this week as a team? You know, there's, there's lots of different ways you can do that. Now, the, the thing of working with Active Cheshire is that they've come to us having typed up this plan with their insight and what's worked well in in other areas and i'm i'm just come trying to find some of the activities that have been i'm not going to say prescribed maybe described for us um about what we can do so um it's it's a bit blurred can't can't see it too much on on this particular screen uh but just some having their insight uh and also now we're going to make a pledge, and this is going to go onto the Active Cheshire website that APC Cardiovascular has signed up to do these actions, and they'll come back and measure us. And uh, I think they've got the first awards for this that's going on in a month or so's time, and then that'll happen next year as well. So it's the old what gets measured gets managed, absolutely, and a little bit of recognition and reward, and maybe a little yeah. bit of competitiveness as well. Yeah, and is the accountability because you're making a public commitment now to. To be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. And it can be a bit scary sometimes, but uh, definitely it, it's the way forward. So you, you're obviously key part of that is advocating the increasing number of steps. Uh, what's been the reception of the people that work in your team? Uh, I think generally everybody knows it makes sense. Yeah. There's been uh, a, a little bit of nervousness about, well, actually I'm, I'm quite comfortable sat down uh, and I've been doing this. And if you think about it, we've been 
programmed to do this in school. Mm-hmm. We go from nursery where we're running around like mad things to go to a classroom in, in primary school. And from that age, you go to school, you go to work, you sit down. And some of the uh, statistics about sitting are, uh, are, are quite incredible. Uh, just finding the right numbers on this. Uh, ba, ba, ba. We spend 60% of our waking hours sitting down. 75% for people who work in offices. Goodness me. And that inactivity is increasing the risk of diabetes, cancer, heart disease, premature death. And so much so that people are talking about sitting as being referred to as the new smoking. Really? Wow. Yeah. And it's inactivity now recognized as an independent risk factor for poor health. So if you are uh, identified as being inactive, i.e. the the less than a thousand steps or whatever the benchmark seems to be, um, it's going to manifest itself. In and that's a thousand steps a week. A thousand steps a day. A day. Right, is, yeah. uh, you know, already today on my little activity monitor, I've done 9,160 steps. Yeah. So, and a lot of that's been sitting at my desk. So, you know, it's, yeah. these are not unachievable numbers. Right. What have you done? Have you got yours? Yeah, I have. Um, oh, cause I put my, uh, because I put my uh, phone onto to airplay mode, it's not connecting back to my phone, so I yeah. can't tell you right now. Uh, add that one in later. Um, but just in recent experience, when I um, had a recent um, week's vacation with the family, that we we spent a couple of days um, uh, and in a seaside town in, in, in the Welsh coast, and the the hotel that, where we were staying um, was quite a climb up a, a hill. And the, what really struck me um, look at the sort of Apple Watch on my on my hand, check, check, checking my three rings during the course of the, the days that we were there. The stuff that I can work really hard on and um, <laughs> break a sweat out of the gym, pushing myself really hard. I actually burnt did, exceeded all of those just by day to day walking around, which I wouldn't normally get if I was um, you know in an average day, day of work. Mm. Mm. And that was a real reminder to me actually about it doesn't have to be full-on session in the gym for for an hour. It actually could be just go out for a 20-minute walk uh, a couple of times a day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if I look at some of the uh, the guidelines uh, and examples from uh, the World Health Organization, uh, for adults 19 to 64, uh, physical activity can be a blend of this, but you're looking at 150 minutes every week, which right. is not huge. No, no. Uh, and that can be a combination of light and energetic activity and strength exercises on two or more days a week. So this is all very doable. This is not couch to 5K. This is not running a 10K or a marathon or anything that's out of reach of, of, of most people. Light activity, brisk walk, bit of aerobics, riding a bike at ground level, pushing a lawnmower, that sort of thing. Energetic activity, jogging and running, bit of fast swimming maybe, um, bit of running around like football, rugby, hockey. Um, and then strength activity can include lifting weights, working with resistance bands, just things that use your own body weight, uh, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, even got gardening in here as well. So, you know, these are all things that we can incorporate on a day-to-day basis in our lives, for, uh, definitely. So your team, uh, they embraced creating a collective step challenge? 
there's lots of conversations that are going on around the coffee table and over the uh, the group WhatsApp, which I'm not involved in, which is probably a good thing. So I don't know exactly what the conversations are that's going on, but I think generally everybody knows they want to do it. Everybody understands why. Uh, there's, it's been very consultative. I'm a big believer of no involvement, no commitment. So uh, uh, our ops manager is uh, is driving this uh, as the, the centre point. But I'm also quite fortunate that within the team, a lot of my team do things anyway. We've got some uh, brilliant examples of super athletes. I mentioned before, we've got one of our guys just qualifying to represent Great Britain on the Olympic team in uh, in <laughs> okay. track running. Uh, but that's one end of the expectation. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But then we've got, you know, busy working parents uh, yeah, sure. at the other end. And, you know, in the office, we've got a couple of people who walk the mile or two into the office uh, a little bit fair weather, but still they do that. And that, you know, this is all part of the activity. Maybe they go out for a, a walk at their lunchtimes. My field-based teams are running around hospitals up and downstairs. So I know they get their steps in and, uh, you know, the, the kilometers that they do chasing from one doctor to see a nurse to the purchasing department from the car park in a day, uh, I'm not particularly worried about them getting their steps. Um, it's those people that are doing sedentary sitting jobs uh, that are the people that know they want to do more. And this is the thing. We all know instinctively that moving around is good for us. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Gavin here. Would you like to achieve your three-year goals in 12 months or learn a systematic process to create innovation and disrupt your market like Uber and Airbnb? How about eight ways to acquire other businesses for little to no money down? The best tool you can start using today to avoid overwhelm and laser focus your growth team on moving the correct five levers of business growth. The complete exit process and negotiating tactics learned from the trenches in thousands of public and private company deals. I'm delighted to be partnering with the smartest guy I know in growing, scaling and exiting businesses, Roland Frazier. Roland has personally grown, scaled and exited over 24 businesses between 1 million and 2 billion in revenue. The combination of Roland's insights and strategies and my own experience in growing and scaling businesses will deliver you a game-changing two-day intensive that will give you the inside track on growing, scaling and exiting your business. I don't know of anywhere else where this stuff is taught. So join us in London on the 24th and 25th of September on the Legs Intensive, Legs being Leverage, Exit, Grow and Scale. Check us out. Go to bit.ly forward slash legs hyphen Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash legs, L-E-G-S hyphen Gavin, G-A-V-I-N, all in capitals, and give your business growth and exit legs it requires. See you there. So since they've been um, paying attention to the number of steps they've been doing every day and every week, um, have you started to see uh, any sort of uplift in terms of physical or mental health? Well, we've, as I say, we're right at the beginning of this uh, yeah. and, and just going through the, the the consulting with people about what we can do. But certainly um, people who are, you know, doing physical exercise uh, will notice definite benefits. And the statistics and the research is out there. And I'm not going to bore everybody with going through the the rafts of uh, of data that's there. I mean, just reducing diabetes, just reducing uh, cardiovascular disease risk. Uh, and I didn't know that obesity has got a really strong link with four of the most common cancers. 
to the point where you may have seen some of the adverts that are uh, up there on billboards around the country that look like old cigarette packets, but have got strapped across the middle, obesity, a cause of cancer. Wow. So, you know, just getting moving is uh, is really important. And I hope that this time next year, when I look back at the team, uh, we've all embraced it. It's all part of the culture. We're enjoying getting up and walking around and not sitting at our desks, for, uh, having a lunch and maybe going for a walk around the woods. So you, you're encouraging people to get out away from the desk at lunchtime and get out for a 15, 20, 25 minute walk? Uh, absolutely. Or just away from the desk. Sure. Uh, you've seen, you know, we're, we're modifying our office at the moment here and creating a separate place for people to go and sit down and eat that's welcoming, uh, that's going to be open plan. There'll be a TV in there. There'll be comfy chairs for them to sit at because at the moment people stay at their desks and we don't really want that. They don't really want that either. No, no, it's not healthy. It's stagnating. In that, in that, like, if you go out, get some fresh air, they'll come back um, with a renewed focus and re- yeah, renewed energy for the afternoon. Uh, absolutely. And have you, do you see any sort of knock on to their, their own families then? So if they're embracing being, moving more, being more active, do you see that, that that's having a knock on effect in their, their own houses? <laughs> Well, I, I can speak from my own experience. Uh, a few years ago, I started cycling and uh, more recently, a, a bit of running. Uh, and about a year ago, my wife, who never is known to be gone to the gym or take part in anything particularly active, uh, and also is not a great fan of the, the wet, out, cold outdoors, uh, started going along to these boot camps yeah. for actually called Fit Mums locally. Uh, she started in the January, in the worst time of year. Yes. So goes out to the middle of a, a playing field and does squats and running around with uh, weights and all sorts of things. So I think that you create an environment and a culture where um, people exercise people kind of get drawn into it and it becomes norm. And then they see actually, well, I actually quite enjoy this because uh, it can be fun. Believe it or not, uh, uh, some of it hurts, but, but <laughs> yes. mostly it's fun and it's rewarding. The endorphins you get afterwards oh, are quite good. And I think the other thing that I see, and this goes on to some of the um, topics about uh, mental resilience. Uh, one of the pieces of research that I read uh, whilst I've been doing the research for this uh, was a really interesting article that looked at uh, stressing uh, regular exercises, not huge exercise, maybe two or three times a week, and stressing inactive people and seeing how they responded to that stress in terms of their their positive mood, let's say. The specific uh, dimensions that were looked at was one of elation and one of friendliness. Um, Both groups exposed the same uh, stress, released the same amount of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Yes. Same, uh, Same heart rate increase. So both groups reacted to the stress in exactly the same way. That's interesting. The difference and the really interesting difference is their ability to rebound and be resilient to that stress. The people who were regular exercisers, and this is the fascinating piece, didn't have their mood dampened to the same extent as the people who didn't exercise regularly. So their ability to bounce back from a stress had been... um, Increased, they were more resilient than those people who didn't exercise. And we talk about stress nowadays, day to day anxiety levels being increased. Your mental resilience is research proved to be increased by doing exercise. 
Oh, that is fascinating. It just got me to reflect, you know, that uh, I went through a period uh, that we spoke about earlier on, actually, of um, of real sort of mental stress towards the end of last year. But it's it's funny, isn't it, how everything happens for a reason. At that time, um, I was able, because I was located close to a local gym at the time, so um, four or five times a week, I would just pop at the lunchtime and I would go and work out for half an hour. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And and it just fitted in really easily with the work I was doing at that time. And obviously uh, built my coping mechanisms mm-hmm. to cope with some of the um, the mental challenges that I was exposed to. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing about when you're doing exercise, it's very focusing. It's really difficult to worry about other things mm. whilst you're doing some sort of exercise. I know for sure if I lose my concentration out on a bike coming down a hill, then it's not going to end well if I'm thinking about uh, people being away on holiday or the next deal I've got to work on. I can only think about me being on the bike at yes. that particular instant. It keeps you really centered yes. and stops you from worrying about other things. Yeah. And of course, being out in the great outdoors um, is rejuvenating in its own right and it's good for mental health. Absolutely. So as part of the work you're doing here, are you, are you, I know you're encouraging people to go outside and walk at lunchtime and be out in nature, but is there anything else that you're monitoring or measuring in terms of mental health? We talked about physical health, but what about mental health? Uh a difficult one for us to measure, except by lost work days. Now, fortunately, okay. at the moment, uh, we haven't had uh, many lost work days where the sick note comes back as stress, which is one of the classic signs. Yeah. Uh, we have had historically, uh, and I think all companies can relate to that sick note that comes in. And it very rarely is just one or two days off. It tends to stretch into weeks. Uh, and then does that help with the stress? of the individual or not. So I think that there are there is uh, there are good measures out there generally and the research I'm looking at here is that there is a 28% reduction in stress levels in companies that have a workplace wellness program in place. Wow. So, you know, that's that's quite quite an increase. Uh, others are, you know, 20% improvement in sleep quality. And we all know what it's how important it is to have a good night's sleep. And interestingly, another one that's come up is a nineteen percent reduction in pain. Really? However, that's manifest. Uh, so you know these these reduction in in, in stress levels uh, are well documented for wellness. Programs. But those benefits seem disproportionate to the amount of activity required in order to bring those about. Which is why I'm on this uh, bit of a mission uh, yeah. with health and wellness for the leaders, for their businesses. But also I think as well, and we, we were talking about this, it's a stressful job. Yes, uh, running your own business. Yes. Running your own business. There's a lot of weight on your shoulders, a lot of responsibilities. But also I can only imagine what it's like if I were to be taken ill for whatever reason, what would happen to my business? Mm. who would be that captain at the, at, the, uh, at the wheel steering the ship. And yes, I've got brilliant people uh, in the company. And for a certain amount of time, I'm absolutely confident uh, that the company would be fine. There's a momentum behind it with the skill and the expertise uh, and the motivation of the team. But not on a long-term basis, um, that's my job. And if I were to not be able to carry out my functions uh, leading the business, the business would suffer. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job in the first place. So I think there's a, there's the element of looking after your team, but there's also the element of looking after yourself. Uh, and I think that that's really important. Uh, carving out the time 
to do whatever it takes to keep yourself in some sort of good shape. Um, That's good physically, but it's also good uh, mentally. Some of the transferable things I found is uh, it gives me a topic of conversation, which isn't business. So that's Mm -hmm. nice. So it makes uh, me able to relate to people more. Um, what else has it helped me with? I think that obviously the, uh, the being able to cope with the stresses and strains of the day-to-day job, um, and also the physical nature, you know, I, I had two knee meniscus repairs. I had a prolapsed disc and a broken heel all in the period of about 18 months, which was my body's way of telling me, get yourself in shape because we're not going to hold it together much longer for, really? for you. Was this, was this a, as a result of your exercise and no. your running and it's before you really got this into is it? This is before. And, and my discovery of uh, enjoying exercise again uh, was as a result of doing the physio and the recovery from these issues. Really? Yeah. So it kind of gathered its own momentum from my physio. And since then, touching the proverbial wood, uh, my my body's responded well to the uh, to the exercise, and I haven't had any MSK issues for what, four years now. So, uh, had the on, uh, odd curtain scrape of falling over and coming off my bike, but that's by the by. But the uh, yeah, the the that natural uh, deconditioning that happens from having desk jobs, mm. uh, I, I I've, I've reversed. So looking after myself helps me be a better uh, leader of my business as well. Fantastic. Uh, Have you noticed any increased level of mental clarity as a result of the exercise you've been doing? I I smile at that, Gavin, because that would be up to other people to comment on. (laughs) I'm always having a nice time. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, being able to see the the bigger picture. Uh, I think on a serious note, I think that uh, being able to have – uh, a self-discipline. I think that that's one thing I've benefit, benefited from. Uh, I've set myself a goal in two weeks time. I do my first uh, road running uh, half marathon race. Um, I've run a half marathon distances, but it's been at my own pace. Now I've got that focus. I've got a goal. I've got my training regime between now and then. I know how many kilos I need to shed uh, and I know my fitness level needs to increase over the next two weeks. So I think there's a the transferable skill of having a goal, uh, setting yourself the objectives along the way to make sure you get to that goal are very transferable into business and making sure you stick to it when it's six o'clock in the morning and in the middle of the winter to get out into that cold, wet rain uh, and do that run. Because, you know, in two weeks time, you've got a race to run. Um that has translated to a certain level of tenacity and self-discipline that might have been missing before. So there's something in there for me is about, it's one thing to make a personal commitment, I'm going to do be more active. But if you can set a goal, it doesn't have to be to run a 10K or a half marathon, but if you can set a goal, that the byproduct of which is increased fitness and physical uh, fitness and weight loss, whatever, then, then that's going to help you stick to it on the cold winter mornings or when you're waking up uh, and not feeling as if you've got uh, the energy in the tank to get out there for a run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's always a reason not to. Of course. Yeah. A, a lot of pe- people running their own businesses, of course, are very, very busy and they're usually juggling it with all the demands on life particularly if they've got you and children or whatever, um, what advice would you give them? Because it's very easy for the business to take priority and their physical fitness or exercise to be demoted in the priority list. Uh, what advice have you got for those people struggling to fit it all in? I, I, I think the, the biggest thing is making the movement part of it. And I go back to my earlier point about just getting stop being inactive. Yes. The double negative there yeah. rather than uh, be active. I think, 
making movement part of every day, you know, whether it's uh, the, the, the sounds like silly things, moving the bin around uh, rather than take the car walk. If it's a, if it's less than a mile, don't get in the car. Yeah. Walk it. Yeah. You know, simple things like that. And I think that it's always asking yourself the question, lift or stairs. Yes. Car or walk. If it's a bit further, how's my bike? Yes. Can I dig my bike out of the yeah. cellar and yeah. give it a dust off, put the tires up and let's do the, the, the three miles to the local town on my bike. So it, it's, it's little things like that that made the difference. It doesn't have to be, I've got to get up an hour earlier to train uh, for my next half marathon or whatever. It doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be little things all the time. Yes, you know, most people probably have a, a a local sort of convenience store nearby where they may now jump in the car and drive a minute, two minutes to get to the convenience store when actually they could they could walk for five or ten minutes instead and walk back, and that that would help them get their step count amazingly, would you know increase it significantly? Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing as well is this the, this lunchtime break. Yes. Uh, everybody knows it makes sense to step up uh, and away from your desk for half an hour. Uh, and in half an hour, you can get the best part of t- 2,000 steps in. Great. So That's you 10,000 in a working week. Exactly. Uh, and you, even if you're just walking to the shop to get your lunch, just walk. Yes. Fantastic. Um, as, as a result of um, doing this work um, with the Institute of Directors and Active Cheshire, what are the other things that you, you've got from that person here? Is it net- network contacts? What, what else have you got, have you got from personally? Good question. Yeah, as, as far as... Um, giving myself a bit of time to work with the, the ID because these, these commitments, you, you, you can't make the commitment if you've not got the time to do it. Um, I was introduced to the concept of uh, a 10% headroom by uh, a guy by the name of Mike Blackburn, who's our regional chair at the IOD and also uh, an all-round good egg in all sorts of different areas. Uh, and when he was working at BT, he said uh, about this concept of 10% headroom, which is basically half a day a week to do something to help others. So during that time, I've given myself permission, if you like, to work with the IOD, voluntarily throw my hat in the ring to help out in the Cheshire Committee uh, and do some networking. And I've met some fantastic people just on the committee itself. And then through that, going along to the IOD events around the Northwest, making connections. And I think there is a big element of peer support, of talking to other people that have had not maybe the, the same journey as you, but experience the similar problems that chat over a coffee talking about, well, how have you handled the exchange rate changes and, and what are you doing in this area and, and all those sorts of good things uh, in an informal way makes me realize that it's not just me out on my own. This is part of a bigger, uh, a bigger issue, whatever it might be. And that's what I'm seeing with this, uh, the health and wellbeing. I feel like that mosquito who is inadvertently tapped into an artery. Uh, There are so many things going on uh, at a government level, local levels around getting people moving that I didn't realise had I not used the IOD contacts. Um, And and every opportunity I have to go along to um, meet with people at the IOD event, I'm always finding some other people that can help me out with another perspective on my particular portfolio uh, here with this. But generally, just information about, uh, I was at the local Chamber of Commerce at, uh, at Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, getting an update on where we are as a country, uh, you know, growth in uh, service, decline in productivity. And all this comes about from reaching out and having some connectivity. 
And of course, there's a direct linkage between increasing activity and increasing productivity. Yes. Yeah. So you're you're growing from it. You're getting business contacts. You're getting you're keeping your finger on the pulse um, in terms of the uh, the economy and the business marketplace. You're getting peer support, but also you're giving something back and helping not only your own team to improve their mental and fitness self and well-being, but you're being an ambassador to sort of um, onboard or encourage other business owners around the region as well. Mm, nice summary. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, which is fantastic. Um, so um, if people want to find out more about the work of Active Cheshire, more about the work of the IOD in this area of well-being, physical and mental well-being, uh, where, where can they look? Well, the, the Active Cheshire has its own website, which is activecheshire.org. Uh, and there's lots of uh, information, research, case studies. And of course, that doesn't mean that if you're outside of Cheshire, you can't get access to it. That's available to everybody. Uh, and as I think I mentioned, it was uh, a part of the um, the... The active uh, place, I'm trying to think of the, the Sport England. Sport England, that's what it is. Uh, and if you go onto their website, you'll find uh, lots of information about how to increase uh, workplace wellness, if you like, and, and activity. Um, but the IOD is just the IOD.com. Uh, go onto the website there, have a look at the membership area. And there are a huge amount of resources always within the IOD around uh, health and well being too. But uh, active cheshire.org and uh, the iod.com Stephen thank you very much and by uh, virtually anybody who wants to find out more about your own business uh, having listened to the, the wisdom that you're imparting here uh, where do they go to find out more about your, your business well that's uh, apccardiovascular.com great thank you very much thank you so um, it's the school holidays now, uh, the time of doing this recording, and my eldest son, who's uh, six years of age, uh, got very interested and intrigued about uh, his dad doing podcasts and wanted to find a little bit about it. So uh, my name obviously being Gavin, there was a, um, a comedy series in the UK called Gavin and Stacey, and the character... Um, that was a best friend of actually James Corden, who was Smithy, early days of James Corden's uh, uh, sort of uh, television career. Uh, and he used to call his mate Gavin Gavilar. So my friends call me Gavilar. So um, this is my eldest son, who we're going to call uh, uh, a little mini Gavilar, asking a series of questions to Stephen from the mind and the perspective of a six-year-old. So Stephen, I'll just share the first one t- with you now. Are you quite a good salesman? Can you give me some tips to give to to to? to persuade daddy to get me a new bike oh what a great question um what, what's your son's name again it's hugh hugh so hugh's just asked me about um he wants a new bike from his dad and he needs to know how to persuade his dad and i i, I think you the the first thing you've got to think about is why would it be important to your dad for you to have a new bike and I think if you can think about that from your dad's point of view, you'd be well on the way to persuading him to get you that new bike. So if you can think about things like, right, dad, if you get me a new bike, we can go out on our bike ride together. Wouldn't that be nice, dad? He won't say no to that, by the way. Great. I love that. Okay. So we'll go for the next question. Daddy says you make things to put in people's bodies to make them feel better. If you can enhance anything inside your body, what would it be? Well, on a podcast, it's it's difficult to see, but uh, 
I miss my hair. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can relate to that. <laughs> I tried to, to get over it, but at the end of the day, it would be nice to have a full head of hair. But there you go. Stephen, thank you very much for sharing uh, the time today with me. Really good to catch up with you personally after, after I think, seven years since uh, yeah. we've seen each other last. And let's make sure it doesn't last that long, uh, be that much of a gap next time. But until next time, Stephen, thank you very much. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.